0: Am I ready? Okay. It's great to be with you. Glad to see you all here in person. Uh, This is Trinity Sunday. This is the Sunday that we typically pawn the sermon off on the associate uh, in order to uh, wax eloquent about the mysteries of uh, the nature of God being uh, one God and three persons, the math-defying mystery of God's being. My sense, given the way the world is today, we, uh, we need a lot of things, but deep theology is not the thing we need the most. Uh, we are here for the first time. This has been a wonderful day, first time uh, in 12 weeks. It March 15th was the last time we had uh, church in person. And for a few of us, we were in Israel, so it's been. I uh, th- think three or four weeks before that, so we're here and we're excited, but some of us may be nervous, it feels weird, I mean, it's not, uh, we've got, we got these masks on, and um, it just, somebody said we're going to, it looks like we're going to rob the church, not not uh, here to worship. Um, so we're excited about that, we're nervous, um, and, and we're so glad to see each other, but maybe from a distance, and we're still trying to figure uh, all of that out. Uh, and we've come here tonight, and, and a lot of us too are kind of on edge, or we're sad, or we're Angry, uh, just there's so much going on in the world around us. Um, we have since we've been gone. We uh, in, in this these three months, we've seen three uh, very public, senseless murders: Amon Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. And uh, and the country said enough is enough, right? And it blew up. Um, things have quieted down a little bit, but we have been so sad to watch on the news our country burn and um and we you know in many ways the the people who are protesting uh, and maybe you've protested i don't know but uh, they're, they're right to be angry and the and we're right right to be angry at the deaths and all the deaths that came before them and, uh, and we should be angry with them but the biblical mandate that in our anger we should not sin has been forgotten and For many, the violent outbursts have made the important message of peace and love literally unbelievable. And so we come tonight and we're we're nervous and we're sad and we're scared, we're maybe maybe angry, we're tense, and deep theology is interesting, Uh, but I think what we need right now is deep comfort. Deep comfort. And so when people come into my office and they need deep comfort, and they, need to know, um, they need to know that God is with them. They need to know that they can pour out their hearts to God, that they can yell at God and be angry with Him, and, and um, they can be sh- tell Him their disappointment. They can tell Him their awe and their praise uh, as well. When, when someone comes and they need deep comfort, I send them to the Psalms. I send them to Psalms, which is why it's so important for you to read uh, the psalm tonight. So the psalms know us. The psalms know us. The psalms speak our language. The psalms yell at God and they praise God. The psalms wonder where is God when he seems so quiet and they rejoice when he shows up. And the psalms relentlessly hold on to faith in a sovereign God when the world seems to be crumbling all around them. The Psalms know us. Psalms were the original book of common prayer. And so for at least the next three weeks, maybe more, uh, we're going to take a look at the appointed psalms in the sermons. Today uh, we have Psalm 8, just a majestic psalm of praise. Uh, It's a psalm written by King David, and David is just utterly in awe of the world Around him, and more specifically, I think he is in awe at the God who created the world around him, just overcome with beauty. And so, I want to briefly walk with you through David's thought process because he takes a turn I think is surprising. And and then I want to make one application given all that has transpired in the last two weeks in our country. So, at some point in your life, almost assuredly, you have stood. Under a uh, night sky that did not have any light pollution, no clouds, and you were able to look up and see just zillions of stars, just, and just be awed by this amazing um, sight. And if it's exceptionally clear, you can see the Milky Way like a wisp of cloud, but it 's against the dark skies. just I love when I get those chances. Uh, and when you get, when you see that, I mean, you're literally looking into eternity, right? Because the light that is shining at you from the different stars is coming from thousands and thousands and thousands of different years. You know, at it's all coming at, at once. And there's this holy sense of smallness that comes in those moments. And we're standing before the vast created universe. And I love times like that. You might get the same thing if you're watching a, a sunrise light up the sky on the ocean, uh, the, uh, at the shore or um, an, seeing a mountain view that's just overwhelming. And, and I love moments like that. People have, have said to me in moment, about moments like that that they've experienced, how can anybody look at that and, and not think that there is a God? And I agree. This is the common experience, a very human experience, of seeing the evidence of God in the created world around us. And David is looking up at the stars and he's having that kind of moment. And, uh, and he is just in awe of the beauty of the created world and the creator of the world. And so uh, he is just, he is praising God. Uh, he says, O Lord, our Lord, or our translation, is funny, it's the only one I've ever seen like this, but O Lord, our governor, our governor, um, O Lord, our governor, how majestic is your name in all the world, uh, how exalted is your name in all the earth. When I consider the heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you set in their courses and he's looking at the magnificence of the night sky and staring in wonder at the constellations and the galaxies and he is filled with praise to the God who spoke those stars into being. He gets that holy sense of smallness. I don't think that he's talking about actual babies and infants. Uh, He's poetically describing the smallness that he feels as he praises the humongous God that has all of it right in his hands. But David doesn't stop at wonder and awe, and this is what I think is just surprising. Uh, He gets philosophical. He says, what is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man, that you should seek him out? I don't know if you've ever had the thought, you've had something sort of big in your life that you wanted to pray about, but you thought, why would God care about my little old problems? I mean, doesn't God have bigger fish to fry than what I'm dealing with? And that's, that's common. I have, I've had a lot of people say that to me, um, and the, the answer is, is no. He, he's but David is, is thinking like that philosophically, but he, not just about himself, but about all of humanity. What is man? And of course, he doesn't just mean males, right? He just, he, what is humanity? In the vast scheme of the universe, what is it about humanity, God, that you care so much about us? Because it seems, looking at these stars, that you, you have bigger fish to fry. But no, you have actually made us just a little bit lower than the angels. You have crowned us, crowned all of humanity with glory and honor. And David is thinking of the creation stories in, in Genesis, where we are the crown of creation. The final act of creation is to create And we are the only created thing made in God's image and given dominion over the created world to be God's stewards. And David is looking into deep space, absolutely in awe that the God of all that out there would give David, little old David, his full and undivided attention. What is man that you should be mindful of him? What is humanity that you should make us? I mean, God, I have seen us at our worst, and you've made us a little lower, just a little lower than the angels. You would, what is it about humanity that you would crown us with your glory and honor and share with us your love and attention? And David doesn't really come up with an answer, does he? He just comes up with more praise. Oh, Lord, our governor, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So that's the thought process. He sees the natural uh, created order. He is in awe of its beauty and of its creator. He sees his smallness. He says, what is man that you are mindful of? So here's the application. If it is true that God has given humanity such a lofty position that he shares his glory and his honor with humanity, then it is true about you. Isn't that a comfort? That just like David, you have God's full and undivided attention. Do you know about yourself that you are actually made in God's image? Not theoretically, but personally and practically. Do you know that in God's eyes, you are just a little lower than the angels? In fact, God never died for an angel, did he? Scripture says that angels long to know what we know because we know God as a redeemer. God looks at you. He sees glory. And in fact, when God looks at you, He sees His Son. And that is an incredible comfort. That You have God's full and undivided attention. But I have to say that if, that, if that's true for you, then it's true for everyone. It's true for all. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. See, you have never stared into the eyes of anyone who was not created in God's image. You've never passed anybody on the street who was not created in God's image. You have never hugged anyone or cussed out anyone or loved anyone or hated anyone, or praised anyone, or judged anyone, or voted for or against anyone who was not created in God's image. Precious in His sight. What is it about humanity that you are mindful of Him? You've adorned us with glory and honor. And I would say it's not particularly prophetic this evening to say to you uh, these things, that all of us are made in God's image. I believe that you believe in the love of God and in the dignity of every human person. But the prophetic call, I think, is this, that each of us who believe that must examine our own hearts and see where our actions are And our words have not lined up with what we believe, that all are created in God's image. Where have we allowed ourselves to take God's place as judge? Where have we afforded ourselves a subconscious opportunity to value ourselves or to value people who look like us or people who think like us or people who vote like us, uh, to value us more than them? Injustice, injustice always says, I am more valuable than you are. But the cross and the resurrection says there is no us and them. There's only us. Jesus only came for one kind of person that was the one that needed dying for. And we're all in that. There's only us. Jesus came to die for our sins not only because we have not loved God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also because we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. And David says that the majesty of creation says that God has crowned all of us with glory and honor. And Jesus died and rose again to restore us all to that honor. So may we humbly receive that glory and honor. And with that humility, let us examine our hearts regularly and ruthlessly that we may treat all others, not necessarily all behaviors and actions, but all people with glory and honor. For the glory of God. Amen.